What community sounds like? Stay open. Hey guys, this is Chris from Tap the Craft. I want to tell you about a new partner that we have for the show, B-Cups. B-Cups is the world's first line of style-specific beer cups for people on the go. Whether by the beach, pool, hiking, or on the boat, B-Cups are great for any place you can't use glassware. They're dishwasher-safe, lightweight, BPA-free, recyclable, and so clear that they often get mistaken for glass. They come as four packs on Amazon.com, but two packs and variety packs are available on their website at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Go check it out. Thanksgiving, craft beer friends, and welcome to another episode of Tap the Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce. I'm coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, the Wells Bro from Tampa, Florida, Mr. Chris McKenzie. How are you doing tonight, and what is in your glass? Denny, I'm doing absolutely fantastic this evening. Uh, excited to be getting into our new house, mm. and um, we're gonna. This is this. I don't think we're staying here tonight, but. Uh, getting in our new house, getting it all set up to move into so we can uh, have some poolside beers here soon. Oh, uh, but nice. in, in my glass tonight is coming from Toppling Goliath, I believe, yeah, out of Iowa. So Toppling Goliath Sosus, S-O-S-U-S, <laughs> their double IPA. And uh, I am really enjoying this beer, and I kind of wish I knew a little more of what a uh, Let's see, I ask, and, and there it is. Uh, what kind of hops and stuff are in it? <laughs> uh, but the, oh, it's a single. It's mosaic. Mosaic. It's a single hop, um, and I'm really liking this. There's some some really good tropical fruit and citrus fruit flavors in here, and it, and it honestly finishes off a little on the earthy side, and I don't really mind that. It's not really bitter at the end. Oh. I'm really enjoying this one. Nice. Yeah. So, Denny, how are you doing and what's in your glass? Well, um, as you can probably tell and the listeners can probably tell, I don't sound like my normal self. I have been under the weather for uh, over a week now. And uh, for the last three days, I have been laid up uh, in the house with a very, very bad sinus infection, uh, chest cold and fever trying my body's trying to fight it off and I had a fever that really just knocked me on my butt Friday night or actually Thursday night Friday all day Friday um yeah so I'm just getting over that I I actually was able to leave the house today uh to go run some errands which felt really good I'm off this week it, it, today today is Monday and I and I'm off all week for Thanksgiving you have some family coming in and it feels uh, it felt good to get out and get some fresh air and and move around I, I i felt really good but you can tell i've got a little bit in you know i still have some of that lingering uh, congestion in my head and in my chest so i apologize ahead of time if i actually start coughing uh I, this is actually the first day that i haven't been coughing and just having gobs and gobs of of gunk coming out of my nose so it feels it feels good i feel i feel refreshed and i'm drinking beer and what am i drinking I am also drinking a Topping Goliath beer. 
uh, and I'm drinking their Pom- Pompeii IPA. Now, they say this is an American IPA, but you know what? It kind of has a lot of characteristics of a hazy New England-style IPA. And like you, like your beer, Chris, this one is, I think this is also a single hop, uh, mosaic hop uh, IPA. Uh, it has mango, pineapple flavors. It's got a nice uh, body. Uh, it also has uh, a really kind of a more brighter uh, hop character. Uh, and it tastes just like a juicy New England IPA. Uh, this is my second can of this. The first can I had, uh, I wasn't all that impressed. Uh, I'm trying to see what I gave it uh, a 3.5. Now, that's not a bad score, but uh, it wasn't what I would normally expect from a brewery like Topping Goliath. Every time I've had their beers in the past, they've just been, you know, like really good beers. Uh, I might have had a bad can, or I might have just not had uh, my palate, might have just been off, you know, off center when I had it that first time. But right now, and maybe it's because I haven't been drinking very much beer lately, this one's tasting really good. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, it does have a little bit of a bitterness uh, after flavor to it, but it's still uh, very tasty, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nurse this 16-ounce uh, beer at least for the next uh, 15 minutes. Okay, I was hoping you were going to say like hour and a half, but... No, no, I'll, I'll be drinking more. <laughs> I, I, uh, I need to get caught up. I need to get caught up on my beer drinking, uh, if it feels good to be off back off the wagon, I guess. Yeah. Off the wagon. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations on moving into your new house. So I take it if you're not going to be staying there tonight, you're doing the move in uh, increments, right? You're, in, yes. you're moving stuff over a little bit at a time, getting things set up, getting whatever painting you might need to get done or some fixing that you need mm-hmm. to be doing uh, and then just take it easy. So that's a, that's a smart move. Yeah, we we did it the last time we moved where we where current house is. Well, I don't know, current, previous, whatever you want to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, we moved that way, and we did it over about twenty days. And it, yeah, I I don't really want to move any other way now. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? It, it makes it nice because nothing's worse than than having that pressure of getting everything packed and then having having the truck come in and get everything loaded in the truck and get everything moved over within time frame and. I mean, I, I would much prefer if I'm just moving across town to just do it in the small segments, get the big furniture stuff moved over when you have either somebody's truck to help you with or a trailer, or you just go rent a truck and get the big stuff moved over and then just, mm-hmm. you know, slowly move over the small boxes and stuff as, as you need it. So, yeah, I look forward to uh, the videos that you'll be yeah. doing poolside with those B cups. So uh, once you once you get settled <laughs> in, Make make uh, movie magic. That's a, that just sounded really funny when I listened to you say that. Some <laughs> some poolside videos with those B cups. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm all into B cups. <laughs> For sure. Awesome. All right, all right. Well, hey, Chris. Before we get too deep into our conversation, let's go ahead and let all of our new listeners know what Tap the Craft podcast is all about. We are an educational podcast, and we focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to help you along in your craft beer journeys. And it doesn't matter if you're brand new to craft beer or you're experienced and have a lot of, you know, a lot of knowledge of craft beer. You're going to find at least one thing that you are going to learn this episode, guaranteed. So sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. 
And talking about the show, you're listening to episode 113, and we are recording on Monday, November 19th, 2018. And in this show, because it is being released on Thanksgiving Day, we are going to discuss a few beer and food-related topics, like some beer-infused dishes, some beer and food pairings, and some Thanksgiving food-themed beers. Wow, this is a really food and beer oriented show this evening so sit back and enjoy and and uh, i would love for you guys to go ahead and try out some of these these things we're going to talk about I, i'd like to try out some of these things we're going to talk about too they sound really intriguing and of I got course you're just reading a couple of them yeah 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 for sure i'm i'm salivating just thinking about it right now all right well hey let's get into the conversation uh, we'll start off really quickly with Trek Brewing. Trek Brewing, remember, on Black Friday, November 23rd, a day after this airs, they will be holding their grand opening at their brewery. So if you are in the Columbus, Newark area, then we ask you to please spend the, an hour uh, and go visit John and Kristen at the brewery and help them celebrate their official grand opening on Friday November 23rd. Okay, that's it for that. Let's move into some uh, beer-related activities. Did you do anything fun uh, revolving around beer, Chris? I mean, drinking beer is just, is always fun. I mean, it's not a specific activity, but it's it's always fun. Okay. Uh, but I didn't do anything beer-related. Okay. I, me neither. Me neither. Yeah. So we're, we're in the same, the same. So it's okay because I will be doing some beer-related stuff after the the day after the show releases. So our next episode, I'll have some, some good stuff to talk about. Hopefully you will too. Well, beer related activity. I do know that tickets for Honapu day went on sale today. Yeah. Did you get them? Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Well, it's still I time. Gonna, I think I'm going to wait it out. I, I really feel like this is uh, one of those events now that doesn't really sell out so quickly anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I used to be able to get tickets. But I could be wrong. We'll have to see what happens. Okay. All right. Well, maybe you'll get lucky and get some discounted tickets from someone that needs to get rid of them. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move into our noteworthy beers since our last recording. And Chris, what new beers did you try since we last recorded? So I was really excited to talk about these because I think in the last episode, we talked about not handing out the five caps mm -hmm. very, you know, just very generously. And I'm really excited to say I had two two five cap beers wow uh, since the last time we talked and the first one is going to be from wicked weed uh oh so in uh in Asheville, north carolina was their barrel aged milk and cookies mm. now i was i was a classy gentleman and drank this one straight out of the bottle <laughs> <laughs> yeah in a in a parking lot with a bag over it no in north carolina uh, <laughs> uh, but this one, I, I just remember it, it literally tasted like chocolate chip cookies. Oh, uh, it was really chocolatey and, and the, uh, the barrel wasn't just too overpowering. It, it was just right with that. And, uh, it was, I believe it was a milk stout. So I believe that's why they would have called it milk and cookies. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, man, was that good. And man, was it strong though? Oh, but it was, was, it was really good. Was it 22 ounce bottle? No, it was a 375 milliliter. Oh, okay. Okay. So, I don't know, a pint-ish. Yeah, 
And then the uh, the second one that I had, another another stout, because um, you know it's stout weather here in Florida. Yeah, I think you know we topped out at eighty four today, which is <laughs> chilly. Yeah, you had to bring uh, out the parka. Uh, yeah, the last couple of days though it didn't even break seventy. I had to wear a hoodie and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, my so my next one was from uh, our friends down in Angry Chair. Their coconut fin. So their fin is a, a hazelnut porter that is really good on its own. Uh, but they made a version with some coconut in it, and man, was that good! It was it was almost like a mounds bar. Wait, yeah, mounds bar. <laughs> Wow. Um, just really chocolatey and the, the coconut was just right on this one and uh, it di- disappeared way too quickly. I'm really regretting selling my second bottle to my friend Trey. Oh. Um, so I think what I'll do is next time I go to his house to drink beer, I'll say, hey, did you drink that fin, that coconut fin yet? Yeah. Let's pull that out. Let's drink that. Yeah. 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 I, know, I know that those angry chair beers, those are 750 milliliters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the big bottles. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately shared that bottle of mine with another friend, actually Megan and another friend. Ah, so, so you had feel, a very small amount. Yeah. I feel gypped. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, uh, I, I, I forgot that you were going to North Carolina after uh, our recording. How oh, did that's that go? Right. Uh, it went good. It was, um, it was only for really about 48 to 72 hours and it was more of a, uh, it was more work-related stuff than, than anything. But yeah. the day we got into town, um, I did a little research, found a really good bottle shop um, about 10 minutes away from where we were staying and uh, picked up that barrel-aged milk and cookies, Picked up, um, actually picked up some um, cucumber crush while I was out there. Oh, nice. Um, and I grabbed a couple of other things from just some local breweries around the area that were, that were ended up being really good. So... Okay. Uh, did that and didn't get to didn't bleh, didn't get to stop at any breweries or anything, but I made sure that I had a a good supply in my refrigerator in my hotel. To yeah. Drink out in the parking lot with yeah. all the other trainers. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. Did you bring your beak? You didn't bring your beak cup. At least one beak cup with you to be I able. I didn't. To, no. You, you should have. You should have brought it and packed it in your bag. I know. I'm a failure. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm bringing. I'm bringing uh, uh, one of my beak cups with me when I go to Israel. Uh, this next this uh, December, I'm going back, and uh, I usually don't bring a gla- a cup because, you know, I don't want to have the extra weight. But now that I have B cups, I can, you know, pack a a, a quality cup that won't break, and mm-hmm. I can enjoy the beers that I drink, yeah, you know, with a with a real cup. So it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. So now you're gonna have to take pictures of your beers in B cups in Israel. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that for sure. And the uh, I used to I had this uh, silly pint, you know, those little silicon pint glasses that yeah. they. And I was taking that when I traveled, but you know what? I threw that sucker away because that thing, beer in that thing, tastes horrible. I bet. And I just, uh, I mean, I earned it when I got the Boise Ale Trail. That was what they they give gave away silly pints. But uh, I just couldn't drink out of it, and I just threw that sucker in the trash. I said, okay. I, I, in fact, I think I threw it away on one of my trips. I said, this beer is just not tasting good. I always smell is that silicon mm-hmm. uh, odor that from that mug and, or that glass, and it just was bad. So, yep, didn't last. I'd, I, I'd, say I'd rather see pictures of your B cups anyway. <laughs> well, I, I got more like A cups, but that's okay. All <laughs> right. So, Denny, Denny, what it, what a. Uh... 
what were some of the beers that you got to try that were new and noteworthy? Okay. Um, I did drink uh, some beers before I got sick, but honestly, uh, you know, nothing that really stood out. So I did drink a couple beers. Well, actually, right before I, I had the fever, I had one beer uh, when I was getting my beard trimmed on Thursday night. Uh, one of the perks of the place I go to is that there's a bar right next door, and they give you a ticket to go get a beer while you either are waiting for your, your beard uh trimming to occur or while you're having it occur you get a pint of beer and so i went over and grabbed a beer from a local brewery and it's from lost grove brewing and that's a brewery just opened a year ago now i think if you remember back uh at that time i talked about lost grove going to the opening um you know the opening of the brewery and they only had pretty much two beers on that that were like they had two beers that had uh, different randall. They were going through different randalls and stuff, but they were just two beers. They had two beers, and I thought, wow, that's kind of a, a weird way to open a brewery with just having only two beers. And those beers weren't all that great. And I haven't, I'll be honest with you, I haven't had any other of their beers. I meant to go back and try some of the beers that they have on tap, but I just never have because there's other beers that I'd rather have. Well, they had a Lost Grove beer on tap that intrigued me, so I went ahead and cashed in my little beer token for this beer. It's Lost Grove's uh, Kolsch City Raw. And uh, this is a Kolsch, Kolsch-style ale. And what's unique about this beer is I believe this is one of the beers that is being, um, it's being created with reclaimed water or reused water or whatever, where, you know, kind of like water that gets, somehow gets reused and reclaimed and, I don't know the details in it, but it's, that's where the raw comes from, I think. But I'll tell you what, the Kolsch was a very tasty Kolsch beer. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I gave it a four-cap rating, uh, so it was it was pretty tasty. Not not enough breweries do Kolsches, and sometimes when they do a Kolsch, they don't do it justice, but uh, I'll say that Lost Grove's Kolsch was very tasty. And then the other beer that I had, I'm going to list two myself, was I had last night. And uh, Sarah and I, Sarah was in a mood for a pumpkin beer. And in my last Tavor shipment, I had had a 22-ounce bottle of the St. Arnold Pumpkinator. And we've had this beer before when we went to the Great Beer or Great Pumpkin Beer Festival in Seattle a couple times. Uh, we always got it when we went there. But it doesn't, St. Arnold doesn't distribute to Boise. So when we got it, when I saw it was available... I went ahead and added it to our crate, and we enjoyed that beer last night. And I'll tell you, you know, it's it's probably one of my favorite pumpkin beers because the spicing in it is done just right, not over the top, uh, you know, just very tasty, good, rich flavored pumpkin beer, nice, good, creamy body to it. I mean, just a really enjoyable beer, and both Sarah and I thoroughly enjoyed having that beer last night. So. I recommend anyone that can get the Pumpkinator from St. Arnold should go out and find it. Did, by any chance, Chris, is this a beer that you and Megan have had or that you have in your shipment? Um, I don't know. I'd have to double check. I know we did get a, a handful of them in our last shipment. So I'm trying to remember a handful of pumpkin beers in our last shipment. Um, guess we'll have to find out. Yeah, well. Hey, don't worry about it right now. You can uh, you can drink it and then let us know later later down the road if you guys enjoyed it. 
All right. Hey, we got feedback, Chris. We got uh, we got a lot of feedback uh, and a question too. So let's just jump into our feedback. Uh, and the first thing that I want to talk about, and we don't really talk about it as much, although I we really do appreciate when it happens, is we got an iTunes review. Yes, I want to do a big thank you to Bike Beer Repeat for leaving us a five-star review and a very, very nice write-up. Uh, he mentions all of us, all three of us, uh, in the in the post. And uh, just just to summarize it really quickly off my top of my memory here, uh, he you know was basically just saying that uh, uh, that you know we're not we don't treat our listeners, we don't talk down to our listeners. We're not elite elitist beer snobs, and we're very fun to listen to, like a but like a you know guys that are sitting around a table at a bar enjoying some beers, and that he recommends or she he or she recommends the podcast to anyone give us a listen so i thought that was really really nice so thank you very much bike beer repeat we, we yeah, appreciate awesome. it yeah yeah cheers to you yeah and, and yes i do have that beer in my at my house right now okay good good i i would uh you know you guys should go ahead and it is fall still so you should probably break it out and try it and let us know what you think so uh we also got a facebook message from our good listener uh, Mike Allen out of Reno, Nevada. Uh, and I, I thought that uh, this message that he sent us, I really wanted to share it with our listeners because he had a lot of very good things in this message that is perfect for this time of the year, this Thanksgiving and holiday season of, you know, I just thought, man, we got to read this and uh, let our listeners know about this stuff too. So Chris, why don't you go ahead and start us off on Mike's email or message? All right. So it says, hi, Denny, John, and Chris. We all know that Ken Grossman is one of the founding fathers of craft beer and what a great company his Sierra Nevada Brewing is with their support of smaller brewers, drive towards environmental sustainable practices, and general treatment of their employees. But I want to call out a couple of recent items that illustrate how much they take care of their customers and their community. First, an example of how they treat their customers. I recently attended the Hop Harvest Festival hosted by Sierra Nevada at their Chico facility. It's an annual event celebrating wet hop beers from the current year's harvest and drew approximately 50 breweries from all over the, all of the country. I got there early and was able to try pretty much everything I was looking forward to. However, as I was getting some food in before my drive back to my home in Reno, I noticed a number of breweries running out of beer. This isn't uncommon at beer festivals, but it did seem a bit early. Anyway, I walked around a bit to ensure I was ready to drive, and then I hopped in my Jeep. All right. I'll go ahead and uh, we'll break this up a little bit, so I'll jump in where uh, Chris leaves off here. He says, later that night, I received this email from Sierra Nevada. Thank you for trusting Sierra Nevada with your Saturday afternoon plans by attending our Hop Harvest Festival. As many of you know, we ran out of beer nearly two hours before the close of the festival. This is unacceptable. It is 100% Sierra Nevada's fault that we ran out. Please do not hold this against any of the breweries that attended. We value you as guests, and this event was not up to our standards of guests' experience. In an effort to make it right, we are issuing a 50% refund to all guests who attended this Saturday. 
We will process the refund Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. You will receive an email from Eventbrite when the transaction is taking place. We will initiate the process ASAP. It may take a few days, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, I, I just, I'll just cut through some of that. They wanted to ex- extend their sincere apologies. They say, we know we let you down, and we hope that you will give us a chance to make it right at an event in the future. If you want to reach out with additional questions or concerns, you can contact them at their email or at this phone number that we'll leave out. And then he, he goes on to say that the refund hit my bank account two days later. Not only did Sierra Nevada admit fault and ask attendees not to hold it against the individual brewers, but they refunded half the ticket price to every attendee. I'm not aware of any other company to do something like this for an event that actually happened. Anyway, I appreciate the gesture. Secondly, and vastly more reaching, Sierra Nevada Brewing has been incredibly active in supporting those affected by the Camp Fire, the most destructive and deadly wildfire in California's recorded history. The fire started about 30 miles east of Chico and has been responsible for dozens of deaths and thousands of destroyed structures. At one point, Sierra Nevada closed the Chico Brewery due to the proximity of the fire. Even before the closure and more so after, the brewery has provided meals at their restaurant and clothing from their gift shop at no cost to the families affected by the fire. They've also donated $100,000 to get a relief fund started. I think to myself, wow, what a gesture. And then I see Ken post this on Sierra Nevada's social media. Many of, many of you have asked if we will be brewing a fundraiser beer to help support campfire relief efforts. The answer is a resounding yes. We are proud to announce that we'll be brewing Resilient or Resilience Butte County Proud IPA and donating 100% of sales to campfire relief. In addition, we are also asking every brewery in America to brew Resilience and do the same. I'm sending a letter to brewers across the country inviting them to join us in a collaboration brew day on Tuesday, November 27th. We are working with malt and hop suppliers to provide raw ingredient donations to all participating breweries and are asking those breweries to donate 100% of their sales as well. We know that the rebuilding process will take time, but we're in this for the long haul. Our hope is to get Resilience IPA in tap rooms all over the country to create a solid start for our community's future. Thank you to each and every one of you for your support. We're right here with you, and we'll get through this together. Ken. Yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty strong. Pretty strong for sure. That's, that's a hell of a gesture. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, breweries across the country will take advantage of this uh, and, and brew this beer. And I'd love to see how much that uh, they, can, you know, they can raise with this. And I'll for sure go and, and buy it here locally. And, mm-hmm, and support him for sure. All right. Well, he goes on to say that Sierra Nevada is the, at least the last time he checked, the seventh largest brewery in the country, and I'm sure quite profitable. But this is still an incredibly generous act and will hopefully raise several millions of dollars to help those in need. I'm seeing hundreds of the other breweries comment and step up to the plate, joining Sierra Nevada in this effort, which is heartwarming. It's great to see the craft beer community join together like this. I like Sierra Nevada's beer. It's not my favorite brewery as far as the beer they produce, but it's very good, and I do think it. I do drink it fairly often. However, acts like these make it one of my favorite companies. Ken Grossman and Sierra Nevada Brewing set the bar 
as far as classiness and demonstrate how people and corporations should act to take care of their customers, community, competitors, employees, and environment. And he just goes to mention that I hope you'll give a shout out to their generosity overall class during one of the upcoming shows. Cheers, Mike Allen. Of course, we're doing that right now, Mike. You uh, really stirred some emotions in me when I read this, and uh, I I just needed to share it with our listeners. This, you know, no matter what people think of Sierra Nevada, whether you enjoy their beer or not, and I do enjoy their beer. I drink their beer quite often. Uh, it is a, a staple beer. Their pale ale is is fantastic. Uh, but like I like I already mentioned, I will for sure one hundred percent. Uh, join in the efforts to uh, support their their relief of uh, the campfire relief resilience butte beer whatever whatever it was called I'll have to go back up here resilience brute or <laughs> brute resilience butte county proud IPA yeah I will for sure uh, drink some of that IPA mm-hmm. so yeah I I really appreciate it. we you know every week or not every week but every show we encourage our listeners to uh, provide us with some experiences or some questions or your beer journeys or whatever. And this is just one example of that type of of uh, feedback and interaction that we thoroughly enjoy. And we do enjoy sharing it with our listeners. So thank you, Mike, uh, for sharing that story with us for sure. All right. We did have a listener question. Uh, why don't you go ahead and, and uh, read the listener question, Derek. Okay. Chris. So listener question comes from Captain Mike M at Captain Mike M on Twitter. And he says, with the Sox winning the World Series, memorabilia companies are everywhere. What does Denny and Tap the Craft think of wooden beer mugs, especially the baseball bat ones like the one in the link he provided? Does it ruin the beer? Is it perfectly fine? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I have, uh, I've, you know, I've never, okay, I never even thought of wooden mugs. Uh, and I've never thought of wooden bat mugs either. It never really crossed my mind as something that would be created to actually drink beer out of, like for real. Now, I know that back in the middle, medieval ages or whatever, maybe they were, they were making wooden mugs and stuff, but I can only imagine that the bacteria and stuff held in those is probably, uh, led to some very uh uh active uh you know bowels uh, <laughs> I, I don't know i just i just think that that's not the the preferred method of of me drinking my uh favorite beverages is in anything wood so my take on this is these are strictly meant f- for collector's items especially when you're going to be paying 60 to 100 dollars for one of these wow. bat mugs you're you're not going to drink out of this thing right you're going to put it into a a shelf and you're going to just admire it for what it is um but i did go to the website and read up on it because this is totally new to me i didn't know this thing was even a real thing and they say that it is applied with a uh, a, a epoxy that allow you know that's a safe uh food grade epoxy that you could actually use it to drink out of and to hold the hot or cold beverages but uh, you know what? I think for me, I, I would steer clear from it. And I'm not going to pay 60 to $100 for a souvenir, you know, mug that's going to sit on my shelf anyway. 
So no. for me, I, I'll pass. What about you, Chris? Have you heard of these before? And what is your take? Would you buy one and use it? Um, I, I've, I've known about these before. Uh, I don't know if I would buy one. And I'm, I'm currently looking at their website now. It looks like they had a special edition one for the World Series. Uh, it was $250. Yeah. They made, they made 500 of them. Um, I was just kind of looking through their frequently asked questions section too. They're using maple wood. So, I mean, that's what they make baseball bats out of. Um, uh, you can, yeah, it's coated in epoxy two separate times. Your mug can hold both hot and cold beverages. Uh, it's food compliant epoxy. Yeah. And, um, you got to hand wash your bat mug with cold water. Yeah. Cold water too. Yeah. I did. I forgot about that part. Yeah. The cold water. Yeah. (laughs) Don't put in the dishwasher. Yeah. Yeah. Dishwasher is going to break that sucker. So, uh, it's, I mean, if you're going to spend that kind of money, uh, maybe you'll have uh, one commemorative uh, toast with it to say, "Hey, you know, congratulations on the anniversary of the, you know, of the World Series or whatever." But I, I don't think I'd use it on a daily basis. And no, yeah, especially for two hundred fifty bucks, that's crazy. Yeah, so I, I would have to say that it. I've never used one personally, but I, I think it'd be fine. Mm-hmm. So I have some steins. Uh, from Anheuser-Busch, and they have collector steins that they release every year. And for a few years back in the 90s, I, you know, Sarah had bought the, a couple of these steins for me, and I don't drink out of them. I mean, they're literally sitting in my in my beer case uh, because, you know, they're, you don't want to ruin something that's a, a collector's item. Uh, I don't remember how much they cost back in the day, but... Uh, I don't think they are too, they're not $250 for sure because we don't have that kind of money, especially back in my Navy days. But uh, but it was something that she enjoyed, you know, buying. It was something that is uh, you know, like a collector's item. And so we, we do have that. But, again, uh, I don't drink out of them. I don't want to ruin them because uh, every other glass that I buy, I drink out of. And what happens? They get broken. You ruin them? <laughs> no, my, well, I don't ruin them. My lovely, beautiful wife... Uh, has got the klutziest hands ever, and she'll she's broken so many of my glasses, and and some of them are irreplaceable. There's I have glasses from breweries that don't exist anymore, and I don't want those to. If I think if it breaks, then I'm uh, it's gone, right? Mm-hmm. So some of those glasses I am no longer drinking out of, but um, but I do drink out of you know I enjoy drinking out of the glasses that I do collect, uh, and I just cross my fingers that they don't you know that they don't get broken <laughs> i had three of these uh idaho beer week commemorative glasses and i have one left now uh because sarah's broken the other two so i i tell her she can't touch that glass because that's the last one they don't make it anymore right that was the first year commemorative glass and it's now it's my my collector's item and uh yeah so yeah keep them out of uh Kids' hands and and wives' uh, slippery fingers, for sure. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Mike, for that question. It was a very unique question that I would have never thought to have asked myself, and I'm glad you did. It made me do some research, made Chris do some research, too. So we are now more informed. I I put it out there for our listeners to give us their feedback on what if they've ever – you know, collected things like this or if they use it, and we got crickets. No one responded, so – I'm taking it that that we weren't alone in that collector's uh, wooden 
mug uh, category. But if you want to be like Mike and Mike, Mike and Mike, we had two Mikes, and leave us some feedback, you can do that very easily. You can leave us an email at tapthecraft at gmail.com, or you can write us on Twitter. Just follow us at tapthecraft on Twitter. And, of course, facebook.com slash tapthecraft is our Facebook page. Chris is all over this thing, updating with all kinds of cool posts. And we're interacting with you guys every day. So you can go ahead and ask us questions there. And we do have a voicemail line. Remember that if you leave us a voicemail, then guess what? You'll be entered into our next B Cup contest. We just had a contest, and we are getting those B Cups off to uh, winner Craft Beer Joe. Hopefully he'll get them really soon. And he said he was going to uh, leave a review of these of these cups. So that's that's a bonus, bonus for, for mm-hmm. B Cups and bonus for us, for sure. So you can do that very easily. Just call us at 208-536-3359 or 208-53-ODDLY and leave us your voicemail. Get your voice on the show. And I want to thank Open Forum Radio Network for supporting our show. They do provide the hosting space at openforumradio.com. And if you enjoy the content that Chris and I are putting out, then we know you're going to find some other great content like the following. Thank you so much for listening to Tap the Craft with Denny, John, and Chris. Hey, and if you want to check out more great podcasts, check out the Open Form Radio Network over at openformradio.com. We have such podcasts such as Open Form Radio Proper, Facetious, Geeks for the Win, Gamer Husbands Radio, The OMG Hour, Gaming Vessels, Slash Attainment, and Conspiracy Otter. Hey, thank you so much for checking out Tap the Craft today, and please leave these fellas a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this great show. Hey, thanks again for listening. All right, now it's time for the Brew Buzz. The Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various brilliant topics. And this week, as we already mentioned, we are going to focus on the food and beer aspects of Thanksgiving and try to do a variety of different um, different themes for this. It's all, all based around beer and food, but we're going to have some beer that's made into food, or I mean food made with beer, I guess. We have food and beer pairings and beers that are mimicked after the food. So very interesting topics, and let's just get rolling here. And I'm going to start us off. And the first uh, article, and I got these all from different articles found on the interwebs, and this one is called The Best Beer Pairings for Thanksgiving Dinner by Bryce Eddings, and I found this on the Spruce Eats website. And what this is, is basically he takes, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and take uh, four different, you know, traditional Thanksgiving dinners, and he tells us what beers styles you should drink with them. So starting off with traditional turkey, just a regular old roasted turkey, he says an amber ale or a lager-like Oktoberfest, a brown ale or a strong golden ale like a triple, like a Belgian ale. I guess is what he means. Strong golden ale is, uh, you know, is actually a style, uh, and triple is another style. So I'm guessing he meant like a Belgian golden ale or Belgian triple. All right, how about a smoked turkey? If you want to smoke that turkey, then he says it should be a hoppy brown ale, a scotch ale, or a porter. Okay, I can I can definitely see the scotch ale going really nicely with that uh, that smokiness. Uh, hoppy brown, maybe. Porter, mm, I can see it. What do you think? Have you have you had a smoked turkey and paired it with beer before, 
Chris? I was actually going to do a smoked turkey this year. Ah. But things changed and we're adjusting. We're we're ordering our food this year. Oh, wow. Ordering it, huh? Yeah, from the local grocery store. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. That well, culinary degrees paying off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, not gonna say proud. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, yeah. If you have a ham, if you have a ham, they say a Weizenbeer, Weizenbach, a double, or a dark, dark lager. I can see that. I, I can, yeah, I can see, I can especially see, yeah, I can see all those beers, actually. Yeah, I think those, a Weizen, just a regular wheat might be stretching it, but the Bach, double, and dark lager, I can see going really well with, with that ham. With the, you know, maybe some of the the cloviness and the and the glazing, uh, would be really good with with those styles for sure. And the last one that he mentions, of course, you gotta have dessert. And when when you have dessert on Thanksgiving, a lot of times it's pumpkin pie. He says spiced ale, winter warmer, or old ale. Well, we just talked about old ales not too long ago. We had a whole segment on that. Uh, and winter warmer again, right there in that old ale category. Uh, and spiced ale, I don't know. Spice ale makes the most sense because it's spicy, spicy, but I, it might be too much spicy, but it still would go, I think. So those were, uh, were his beer pairings for Thanksgiving. All right, Chris, why don't you go into our next article? All right, so we had an article titled Five Beer-Infused Thanksgiving Recipes by Matthew Zuras found on October blog. So in the first one that they bring up was going to be Roasted russets with Abbey double mustard and thyme salt. Uh, so in the article, it says, no one's saying you can't have mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving, but if there were ever a holiday in which it's acceptable, it's acceptable to carbo load with multiple <laughs> potato dishes, this is one of them. <laughs> so give your dinner guests another starts option with these roasted russets, which are first boiled to give them a nice outer skin that that'll crisp up in the oven. And then for the savory and lightly spicy sauce, a rich and malty Abbey Double tangles with sour cream and whole grain mustard. To quote Missy Elliott, these potatoes are funky, fresh, dressed to impress, and ready to party. <laughs> <laughs> While Yukon Golds and Fingerling potatoes of various colors can be used here, sometimes it's great to stick with the OG russet potato. Simply roasted and on a preheated baking sheet with plenty of olive oil, they bake up crunchy and burnished on the outside while fluffy inside. Their earthiness makes a great complement to the caramel-like notes of an Abbey Double, reduced to concentrate its flavor, then bolstered with sour cream, whole grain mustard, and maple syrup. I just ate dinner, but this sounds so no, good. No, it is so good. I, I had to have this one in here. <laughs> yeah. and, spring, and a sprinkling of simple thyme sea salt on top, which adds an herby crunch to the creamy potatoes. Yeah, th this one right off the bat, I'm like, oh my gosh, how have I not had this as in my meal, at least some meal in my lifetime before now? I, I have to try this. It, everything about this sounds amazing. And the picture looked really good. And I like the fact that it's got, you know, it talks about having that more crusty outside with the creamy inside. I, yeah, I'm all for it, for sure. I appreciate that he used a Missy Elliott reference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so hey, we started off strong. Let's yeah. uh let's go into now he listed five, but there was only two of the of these that I really found that kind of stood out to me as things that 
wow, I'd like to try this. So the second one that I found in the same article is sour beer pecan pie or pecan pie or however you want to say it. Uh, this How do you say it? Uh, pecan. Okay, so you say it right just like I do. Okay, I, I mean, people say it different. I'm not saying right or wrong. I just say it the way I say it, which... Yeah, I, got, I just, I recently got into an argument about this in the state of Georgia. <laughs> Be, because they say pecan? Uh, it's pecan. Pecan, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. It's intriguing use of sour beer and nut pie. Let's see. No, sh- no... Chefy. Chefy, chefy tricks here. <laughs> we just really love pecan pie, and we were determined to put some damn beer in it. Turns out that a sour beer is exactly what we needed. See? Even the best pecan pie is basically just a block of caramelized sugar and nuts. So for, good. Yeah, for better or for worse. But the acidity of the sour helps to cut that sweetness, adding a new layer of flavor and even bringing out the nuttiness of the pecans a little more. Because what is Thanksgiving if not a celebration of all the sweet and nutty loved ones in your life? <laughs> hey, <laughs> this guy, I like this guy. He's got some, uh, you know, some good uh, pros here. Okay, so it says there's no getting around the intense sweetness of pecan pie as both its lovers and haters will test. Here, however, the sugar is balanced by the tang of sour beer, which is reduced to one-third of its original volume and brightened with more lemon juice. A further recalculation, that's a, that's a, a, a cooking term, huh? Recal- recalculation? Um, I don't know. No. Maybe it's I just would, a math term. Yeah. Yeah, okay. A further recalculation. The filling to nut ratio here is evened out, making this version all about the pecans with just enough filling to bind them together. So I guess what they're saying is that this one isn't going to be one of those like runny, loose, syrupy pecan pies. This is going to be a like a nut uh, brownie like consistency uh, that basically this mixture is just going to hold those nuts together, which honestly, I like that. I, I like it. I like pecan pies that are a lot of uh, material in there, not just a lot of syrup. I, I mean, that's and that that sounds really good, just because that there's, yeah, you know, pecan pie is normally so sweet. Yeah, I mean, it's it makes your teeth hurt sometimes. Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, adding adding acid or adding that uh, that tartness to it. Uh, that's one of those flavors that makes other flavors pop. Yeah. So yeah, that that sounds like it would work out really well. Yeah. Is is this something that uh, you might try uh, when you get back into your chefly duties. No chefy tricks, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've I made pecan pie one time, and it was just an absolute disaster. Mm. Um, and I I don't know. I, it's I feel like certain pies, and I, I I'm probably gonna get my ass kicked for saying something like this, but. It's so much easier and cheaper to go buy it pre-made. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, That's but true. I, I mean, I get, I get the the whole um, the whole reasoning behind. Hey, you know, I'd like to make it myself. I know that's why people do things like 
brew beer. I know why, yeah. you know, people make their own, you know, sausage or, or they do that kind of thing. It's just the, the act of the, that you made something um, and then you get to enjoy it. Uh, you know, you put your heart and soul into it or, you know, maybe just a little bit of your soul, just kind of dependent on uh, how you see those things. But it's, um, yeah, it's, it, I don't think that's something I'm going to try out. I I think I'd like to if I've got some spare time, but I don't, I probably won't. Okay. Okay. I, I don't eat sweets. Um, I do have a soft spot in my heart for pecan pie. So, um, you know, this is something that intrigues me and maybe I can get one of my more, uh, baking friendly friends, uh, you know, to go ahead and try it for me. They might, they might do it. Who do we know that bakes things? Mm -hmm. You know what? We're just gonna have to research that and see what we can't come up with. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. So we had another uh, article called Thanksgiving Beer Pairings found on Food and Wine. Uh, so they had pomegranate jalapeno glazed ham. Mm. Yeah. These these are all getting me in trouble. I'm going to have to stop on the way home and get some yeah. food. Yeah. This, this uh, also sound is, again, there was a bunch of different pairings in this article. This one was the only one that stood up, out, you know, stood out above the rest that I had to, we had a mission on the show because this is something that I would eat right here. So go ahead and talk mm-hmm. about this. All right. At Akash, at Akasha in LA, chef Akasha Richmond prepares a sweet and spicy glaze for ham using house-made pomegranate jalapeno jelly. An easier alternative would be doctoring store-bought jalapeno jelly with pomegranate juice. <laughs> yeah, that works. And I don't blame you there. Jelly is one of those <laughs> things to make too. Um, if you wanted to do a beer pairing with it, you could try a barrel-aged brown ale, such as Dogfish Head's Palo Santo Maron. Ooh. The oak gives the beer a rich sweetness that complements the fruity glaze yeah. and combats the spice of the jalapeno jelly. Yeah. Yeah. That Well, that's a, I've had that. I've had a, a few of those beers before. Those, those are good. And they're big beers, too. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good one. But, yeah, that beer pairing and that meal... That ham, it's just, it sounds great. Now, I'm not going to say that it, it's not going to heat up my guts a little bit and maybe make me a little bit uh, irritable in the bowel area, but hey, at least it, it, it tastes good going down. I feel like uh, Dogfish Head is one of those breweries that you haven't heard much from lately. Is that just me? No, no, they, I mean, they're, they're still, so they, they made, I, I think I mentioned a couple shows ago, they made it to Boise. We actually have Dogfish Head here now distributed. I just bought the first beer. They, they've been here for a month or more now. Mm-hmm. I've only bought one beer. Uh, and the only beer that interests me that I haven't had from them already that, you know, that has come to our area is the Sequence uh, Sour Ale. Mm-hmm. And it, that one is one that I, you know, I think I could appreciate. So I bought one can to try it and I haven't even opened it yet. Uh, maybe this week I'll open it and give it a shot and I might talk about it on our next episode. But they, I mean, like I said, we've talked about these guys before. They do beers that are just crazy stuff that sometimes works and most of the time doesn't, in my opinion. And I, I don't want to drink their, you know, their crazy beer concoctions and pay up premium price for it so i choose not to man you know some of their beers you know the 120 minute ipa hey great to experience but i'm not going to drink that again it's just not that great of a beer 
I know, because it basically solidified the best triple IPA you've ever had, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let the argument continue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but no, I, I don't hear a lot about Dogfish Head. Um, they are expanding. No, there's, they're, I mean, like I said, they're making it all the way to, to Idaho now. Um, it's good. It's good to have them here. I don't know how long they're going to last because, as I mentioned before, there's a lot of people now that are drinking local beer. Mm-hmm. And when these breweries come in, they may have been a big name back in the day. But right now, there's so many good local breweries out there that people are going to drink the stuff that is local because that's the stuff that they enjoy. And they're they're not going to pay the extra money for these fancy name beers. And, and they'll end up disappearing, which is sad. But that's just what reality is now. We're We're just... It's harder to break into new markets unless you have a, a superior product and a good price point. People yeah, just don't want ever, to pay it. If you ever get the chance to go out there and visit either, I've never been to the brewery, but I've been to their uh, their brew pub. That's an experience in itself because mm-hmm. they produce a lot of stuff. I believe they produce a lot of them on site too. Yeah. Yep. But they come up with some wacky combinations of beer. Yeah, uh, just the, some of the things they put in them, and some of them are you, you look at it and you go, I, "That's going to be weird," but you try it and it's pretty amazing. <laughs> and then there's some other ones you try and you go, "I I could do without that one." Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty interesting um, place that they have. The food is really good, um, and then you can always you know try some one offs that they that they brew with some pretty interesting ingredients because I mean. If you've ever seen any of their beers, if you ever got to see that show that they were able to do for a little while, they use some pretty unique stuff in their beer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, they sure do. They sure do. All right. Well, we have one last article. We have a few items in this article we'll discuss, but uh, let's get into it. So in the last article, it's how to enjoy Thanksgiving dinner entirely in beer form. And this article was by Mike Pomerantz. And I, again, found this on Food and & Wine. And uh, I'm just going to kind of read how he opened this thing up. Craft beer's far-out experimentation means that almost every Thanksgiving dish has had its beer equivalent. One of the coolest things about America's ascent to over 6,000 breweries is that brewers are willing to take risks like never before. Nowadays, no ingredient and therefore no flavor is off-limits in the craft beer world at least when it comes to a one-off experiment. That's not to say that these beers are going to be a year-round release, uh, fan favorites, or occasionally even enjoyable. But at least forward-thinking brewers are out there giving it a try. And that kind of talks about what we just talked about with Dogfish Head, right? They're out there doing this stuff. doesn't mean it's going to be a great beer, but, hey, how else are you going to experience this combination of flavors if someone doesn't do it? And sometimes it works. And a lot of times it doesn't. So let's talk about some of these Thanksgiving dishes that pe- that these brewers are making into a beer that tastes like it. So, Chris, start us off with the stuffing beers. Stuffing. Yeah. All right. Let's do this. All right. Since both beer and bread are made out of grains, stuffing beers are actually one of the more common styles that would work in a holiday feast. The Crooked Thumb Brewery here in Safety Safety Harbor, Florida, has made a cornbread stuffing gruet. Co-founder Travis Kruger reports, our head brewer, 
Kenjiro Tomita came up with the idea of trying to emulate the flavors of his favorite dish at the table during Thanksgiving. Gruet is a lesser-known style of beer, uh, but Tomita incorporated, quote, the spices redolent of cornbread stuffing in place of some of the other more traditional roots and herbs, end quote, used in this type of beer. New Jersey's Cape May Brewing Company released their one-off Wednesday cranberry stuffing beer, a bright pink brew with cranberry and stuffing spices for those stuffing-based beers. Our chef creates a vegetable stock called mirepoix, uh, comprised of carrots, celery, and onions, and seasons with Cape May sea salt, bay leaves, sage, and thyme to create a delectable soup stock. <laughs> you guys are pushing the limit. Yeah, this is, a lot of, this is a lot of uh, <laughs> flavor. Um, we reduce that down to a concentrate and infuse that into a beer, leaving a finished product that is strange at first, but immensely satisfying as you continue to sip it. And there's another one. Three Freaks Brewery <laughs> from Highland Ranch, Colorado, served up Adam's effing turkey beer. <laughs> I would buy it based on the name. Yeah, me too. Sucker for that. It's a uh, turkey stuffing brown ale made with stovetop stuffing <laughs> at the two at the 2017 GABF. I'd try it. I, I would try this too. I'm a sucker I, for a brown ale, and hey, you have to try it, right? Yeah, I, well, I mean, one, there's one here. Safety Harbor is right outside of Tampa. Um, so maybe it, maybe it's still there. I don't know. I have to go find out. Um, but yeah, I, st- stuffing, dressing, whatever you want to call it, um, that's probably one of my favorite things at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I, and I could see stuffing beer being a uh, an easier beer to mimic or food to mimic because uh you know what what's the to me what's the perfect uh beer to kind of mimic well i think they hit it I'll, okay i'll change this up i think they hit it pretty well with a brown ale with some spices might work because that gives you kind of everything but i was thinking as far as what spices what what kind of stuffing spices go really well with a beer style a, a saison, a farmhouse. Yeah, you know, adding some sage into. It. I love a sage saison. Those are so good, and I think that blends itself into those spices and everything. But the problem is, is that the saison uh, base doesn't necessarily have that malt bill it needs to give you that that bready character. So I mm-hmm. think maybe that the brown ale is the way to go there. I I think that might that might be a winner. Brown ale with some sage and uh, spicing might, might be good. Might be good. But yeah, hey, very unique. Very unique. Well, let's go in to something that I never thought I'd want a beer to taste like. Uh, turkey gravy. <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you ever thought about having a beer that tastes like turkey gravy? No. No. All right. Let's see. It says, no Thanksgiving meal is complete without gravy. I agree. You have to have gravy in a Thanksgiving meal. It has to have gravy, uh, which is why Black Rocks Brewery, the whole bowl of gravy, beer, seems essential. Whole The whole bowl of gravy. That sounds like a beer. That, that name right there says that I'm going to hate this beer. The whole bowl of gravy. Uh, off and on over the past few years, this um, Marquette 
Michigan brewery has served up a turkey gravy beer described by the brewer as a bready and biscuity amber ale brewed with assorted poultry spices, black pepper, salt, and turkey bouillon. Okay. All right. You know what? I hate to admit it, but I think amber ale is another one that could go well with some of these spices. But um, I don't want a turkey gravy beer. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to pass on this one. But I had to have this in here because who would have ever thought of making a turkey gravy beer? I mean, one brewery had, of course. Right. And I don't know, maybe I was the only one. I I wonder if anybody else thought like I did going kind of back to the stuffing beer. Mm -hmm. All I I pictured immediately was somebody taking a big old spoonful of stuffing, putting it into a beer glass and then pouring. (laughs) Like a a stuffing float? Yeah. (laughs) Stuffing beer float? (laughs) There's just a a big wad of stuffing at the bottom of the glass. (laughs) And then you're just topping it off with a beer. That's gross. That is really gross. But yeah, I still drink it. Yeah, yeah. You, I don't know. I don't think I could drink it. That's yeah. We'll have to try it when we get together for Thanksgiving one year. All right, all right. So moving on to mashed potatoes. Oh yeah, yeah. Mashed potatoes are a Thanksgiving must, and through their use in um, I'm sorry, the mashed potatoes are a Thanksgiving must, and though their use is less common now, spuds actually have a history in beer making. I read somewhere that during World War II, some of the big U.S. beer companies started using potatoes instead of corn and rice as an adjunct because the grains were being used to feed soldiers overseas, explains Doug Grover, founder and brewer of Redline Brewing Company in Burton, Michigan. That historical tidbit led him to brew Mashed Potato Mafia, a stout with mashed potatoes. (laughs) The name. The name is cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, if someone, oh wait, if, uh, mashed potato mafia style with mashed potatoes, but be forewarned, despite the name, the beer doesn't taste like a side dish. If someone expects a potato flavor, they will be very disappointed. He says what potatoes do is add a smooth, silky, almost creamy texture. Uh, the best way I can describe it is like an oatmeal milk stout without the sweetness. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I could see that. Yeah. So um, you know what? It, it that's a good point that he makes. It's that, yeah, the potatoes don't add any character, but you can get the creaminess and that that, yeah, that silky creaminess character out of it, and that gives you the feeling of of mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, like if you ever, um, if anyone ever grates like mashed potatoes or mashed potatoes, if they ever grate potatoes to make their own hash browns, mm-hmm. um, so you if you shred your potatoes and let them fall into water. Uh, the potatoes will actually start to release starches uh, into the water. So then if you let them sit for a while and you pour, you get the potatoes out and you pour off the water, you normally have um, a big bunch of starch at the bottom with potato flour almost. Oh. Uh, if you ever feel it, it's it's almost like the consistency of like cornstarch. Uh-huh. So it, it, uh, if you get it wet, it will like, it'll pack. Like it would, it just kind of gets really stiff, almost like... Um, What's, what's that stuff where you can, if you can, it's really squishy, but if you hit it really hard, it's, you know, it's almost like, it's almost like a solid. Um, but it's a really soft, very fine flour hmm. that comes out, that the starch is. Um, sorry, the beer's hitting me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I could definitely see that that might add some, some different mouthfeel 
yeah, uh, and different texture in the beer. Yeah, yeah. So um, Bear Island Brewing, in fact, Bear Island Brewing is opening their their official brew pub uh, the the day after Black Friday on the twenty fourth. Uh, I'm trying. To, I, I think I'm going to attend their open grand opening um, um, ceremony. At three o'clock on that day, so I hope to see some of my local friends there for that. But uh, I'm looking forward to to having them open up a uh, their their brew pub because they they've been around for a few years now, but they've just been you know brewing out of their garage, and they have a special uh, permit to be able to have a like a home brewery, uh, in, you know, commercial brewery in their garage. But now they're they're going to be working out of their main brewery that they just op- opening up on uh, Saturday. So I'm really excited, but they have the uh, Idaho Potato Ale uh, beer, which is really good. It's a fantastic beer. Uh, I really wanted to interview them. I still might get together with them to interview them, uh, to you know, to talk about their whole story. And I'm assuming that this beer is also made with Idaho potatoes to give you some of that same starch character, that creaminess. It's a really good beer. It wins awards, uh, you know, throughout different beer festivals that it gets entered into every year. So, yeah, potatoes can make beer really good. All right, let's get into something more traditional uh, in in some flavors you will probably find in beers. Uh, cranberry sauce. I mean, hey, who doesn't like – I love cranberry sauce. I'm a, I'm a huge cranberry sauce fan. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is it is it cranberry sauce or are we talking about the stuff out of the can? Uh, well, in my house, uh, mm-hmm. it comes well. So Sarah has made uh, homemade cranberry cranberry sauce that basically takes the cranberries and heats them on the stove and lets it break down and then crushes them up. And it's like that's you know she's made that before. Um, that's too much work. Uh, so we go the easy route now and we just get two different cans: one can of the jellied cranberry for me and mm-hmm. one of the whole cranberries for Sarah. Uh, All right, that's what we do. All right, so it's, I was just wanted just wanted to make sure because that's that's a, a an argument in our ha- well not in our household but in our family mm-hmm. is that some people want the you know the, the where you heat up the cranberries you add the sugar and yeah. you know the the citrus juice yeah. and the and the pith or not the pith and the rind and all that stuff and man that's just a lot of work it's for too much work yeah <laughs> and it's just not as good and it's not as good I will agree one hundred percent with you that it's a lot of work. I mean, and it's expensive to buy yeah. those cranberries. It was like, I mean, she spent like twenty dollars <laughs> in cranberries, and then we spent oh, like two hours trying to make the damn thing. And then, you know, she had a couple bites. She's like, "Yeah, I like the canned stuff better." Okay, yeah, so it's, so spend the dollar ninety nine <laughs> on the jellied cranberry sauce. Take your other eighteen dollars and go buy some beer. That's right. That's right. Beer That's for it. dinner. As your economics lesson here at Tap the Craft. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So most major fruits find their way into beers on a regular basis, and cranberries are no exception. In fact, those looking for a cranberry sauce named beer don't have to venture any further than Chico, California-based brewing giant Sierra Nevada, who we've already talked about on the show, uh, who, early, who earlier this year offered up a cranberry sauce saison as a limited draft release. Now, this article was released last year, so this was in 2017. But uh, I did not have this beer 
but it sounds fantastic, and I think I could get into a cranberry sauce mm-hmm. saison. I mean, it Definitely. works. Yeah, that works for me. So if if it gets released this year uh, outside of the market of Chico, California, I'll I will look for it for sure. Okay, so, we have one last offering, Chris. Why don't you hit us up? I can't believe I'm going to read this one. Yeah. This is going to be creamed corn. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's usually a flavor you don't want in your beer. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you could talk to John at length about that. Um, that's normally an off flavor in beers. But inspired by an ant's delicious homemade recipe, Michigan City, Indiana's Michigan City, Indiana. So it's a city in Indiana named yep. Michigan City. Uh, Burnham Brewing decided to use literal creamed corn for its creamed corn with a K, <laughs> cream ale. <laughs> All right. So creamed corn, cream ale. The ingredient adds the faint sweetness that you would get out of eating a fresh piece of Indiana sweet corn. Mm. Explains brewery co-owner Rob Austin. The eye-catchingly named beer is usually approached with hesitation and or odd looks, but to many surprise, and for most people, they really enjoy it. It's turned into a local favorite for sure. I, w- I would drink it. Oh, uh, I would too. Yeah. Cream corn's awesome. Yeah. And again, I'm not really too picky about my food. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love, I love cream corn, but I don't love cream corn out of a can. Um, this is where I, I draw a line. Cream corn out of a can is not the same as taking the corn off the cob and making it into a creamed sauce, a thick creamed, heavy cream sauce. Oh my gosh. It's like the best. I love it. It's like my favorite vegetable. <laughs> if I mm-hmm. can call it a vegetable. vegetable. Corn is a grain. Day. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I imagine this beer is being like is, is, it's like what I remember of, of having fresh sweet corn cut off of the cob, uh, you know, after it was boiled and then made into a heavy cream and then cooked on the stove to give you that, like I said, that heavy, that heavy cream corn. Like this cream corn doesn't like fall off your spoon. You put it in your spoon and you, you turn your spoon upside down, it's stuck to your spoon. That's how this cream corn is. It's like hard cream corn. Like mm-hmm. super thick. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm drooling just thinking You're about it. Getting awfully right excited. Now. Oh yeah, there. yeah. I'm a I'm a huge fan of that type of cream corn. So yeah, I would I would eat this for or drink this beer for sure. And I think I would really enjoy it. Uh, I need to go to Indiana. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and who names a city in Indiana Michigan City? Isn't I that mean, weird? Michigan people are weird. Yeah. Yeah, that is weird. All right. Go so, Buckeyes. <laughs> so that is our brew buzz. That is I, – I, come on, Chris. We nailed it. We hit every aspect of mixing beer and Thanksgiving in this episode and that, that segment right there. I, I mean, Yeah, we pretty much did. Yeah. Is there anything – I mean, I guess we – because in the past, John and I had talked about what beers we would drink for Thanksgiving meals and such. Um, and honestly, a lot of times I'm going for, I, I do Belgian ales. I'll do like Lindemann's. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah. I remember you guys did that. Last yeah. Year. 
you know, we'll do fruit beers and, and, and lambics and such that those go really well, or even Belgian, uh, like they, they said for some of the, the beers, uh, the, the doubles, uh, the double or triple. We did triple carmelite one year for the beer, which was really good too. I, I like Belgian ales for my turkey dinner. Uh, I like the double. I like brown ales. We'll do, I mean, we've had, uh, Bitch Creek brown ale served at our Thanksgiving dinner before and it goes really well. Um, is there any beers that, you know, since, since we have you on the show and we haven't talked Thanksgiving uh, dinner and beers with you before. Is there any beers that you really enjoy having with your Thanksgiving dinner? All of them. All of them. <laughs> nothing. Nothing <laughs> no. special. Like one um, style. Not really. I mean, it's gotten to the point, and I was just kind of talking to you about it earlier, where I'm kind of having to go on to a beer hiatus because <laughs> um, we, you know, we've just gotten we've gotten a little carried away just purchasing all this beer whether it be through the mail or purchasing it through local breweries. Um, so it's, I think it's going to get to the point where we're going to have to just go back to the basic styles. Like you were, you were talking about how you want to do, um, you know, even the Belgian beers, mm -hmm. just something simple, nothing, you know, I'm, I'm currently drinking a Berliner with, uh, with marshmallow, vanilla, pineapple, cherry, and mandarin <laughs> oranges in it. Called Ambrosia from Hidden Springs Brewing Ambro Company. That's perfect for Thanksgiving. I, and I'm sitting here drinking this going, I I maybe should have this in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, so getting into the, uh, I think I would like to get into the styles that are just more simple. Um, you know, maybe some type of uh, a lager, a pilsner. I, I might go maybe into the pale ales a little. Mm -hmm. Just maybe see what uh see what I try, see what I like and you know, see what goes with with what we're eating. Yeah. Yeah. I I think um I think in one show uh we talked about like pairing beers at different uh courses of a Thanksgiving meal, right? Cuz you'll have your mm -hmm. maybe you'll have like some pre pre-Thanksgiving beers that get you worked up to the meal that, you know, that doesn't, not too filling, doesn't going to, don't want to fill you up, but you want something enjoyable. Then you go into the beer you have while you're eating the main course. And then you go into your dessert beer afterwards that you want to enjoy some pumpkin pie and some desserts with. Uh, that's an option too. You have a variety of styles that each goes with whatever you have uh, as a main course. Uh, or the, or that uh, that course that you're you're having at the time. So, yeah, we, you know, the very first article we talked about was taking three different main courses that are typically found uh, at Thanksgiving: turkey that's roasted, turkey that's smoked, or ham. Right? Those are traditionally the uh, the you know the meats, the main courses, and and each of those beers were a little bit different for the style of, of food you're eating uh, for your main course. So. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So uh, I'll be curious. Let, let me know, uh, you know, keep track of the beers that you had uh, during your, your meal uh, for Thanksgiving so that we can talk about it on the next show and we can find out if something really worked for you. Don't, don't worry. I will definitely, uh, I will be logging beers, uh, trying to catch <laughs> up to you and you and John. Well, you can catch up to John easily. He hasn't logged anything in like a year. Well. So he's like, I think I'm already like a thousand ahead of him. Five, I mean, wow. maybe not that much, but at least five hundred. And I'm not even drinking that much. After my buddy uh, Alex left uh, Boise, I've pretty much slowed down my drinking 
uh, a lot. <laughs> Not that he's, uh, you know, that he was really uh, making me into a, a heavy drinker. I, I, you know, I like to drink, but uh, it, it seemed like we were out having fun a lot more because he liked to go out and have fun. And I like to join him. Okay, Chris, we've been chatting for nearly an hour and a half. So uh, I know that our buddy Tom Joseph will be happy that we're providing him with a long, lengthy show for uh, this week. But it's time to go ahead and start to ease into the ending of the show. But before we do that, uh, it's always a pleasure for us to give a toast to people that we are uh, thankful for and stuff. And because this is our Thanksgiving show, I thought we would do something a little bit different and just as, you know, say who or what we are thankful for in, in the spirit of Thanksgiving. Uh, so is there anyone you'd like to raise a glass to and, and, and let us know uh, that you're thankful for? Absolutely. So I have to say that uh, I'm very thankful for the, the opportunity that we get to uh, discuss something that I feel that all three of us are very passionate about, which is our beer. Yeah, um, I'm very thankful about that. I'm very thankful for the fact that uh, that even as crazy as our life is, as far as our time constraints or restrictions, however you would like to look at it, um, that we can still find the good in all of it <laughs> oh, good. with all of its craziness. <laughs> uh, because uh, I recently read something earlier today that kind of calmed me down in kind of a state of... Uh, little anxiety I was just thinking, Hey, with all the, uh, if, if the craziness and, and the, uh, the insanity that's going on, and I feel like I use those words a lot, but the craziness and the insanity that's going on is any precursor to what is coming. Um, and we got some good stuff coming up. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Go through the crap first, and then we'll, we'll have the good stuff to follow. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm very thankful for the, uh, uh, the fact that we can enjoy time with our family, uh, because that doesn't always, that's not always something that everyone can do. Yeah. And I'm very thankful to do that. So go on ahead. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to follow right along with you and, uh, I'm very thankful for the generosity of, of you and John for your time to join me every two weeks to talk about our passion, our hobby, uh, you know, so that we can entertain our listeners. Uh, I really appreciate you guys, uh, you know, for doing that. And of course, our great relationships that we have built with all of our podcast community. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm so thankful. And I'm, I mean, anyone who writes into the show or who interacts with Chris or I or John knows that we really do care about the feedback and, and we, we want to be a part of our community. It's not, you know, community is not a one-track a one thing. It's back and forth. And I'm thankful that we have that back and forth interaction and that you guys are willing to put yourselves out to chat with us and learn, you know, be, be more familiar with us and, and give your trust into us. And, and, and just thank you guys for all listening. I'm really grateful that we have a great community out there that, you know, that literally listens the moment the show comes out and is out there interacting with us and letting us know what they like, dislike, you know, telling us when we're wrong, correcting us. It's, I don't mind it. I love it. That means you're listening and that, uh, yeah, that you guys, that we care, that you guys care about what we have to say. So that makes me feel very 
you know, very grateful. And of course, I, I'm very thankful for my family. They're always challenging me and challenging me in good ways and bad, but they're always challenging me and helping me to continue to grow into the person that I hope to one day become. It's a constant work to, uh, to try to better yourself. So without my friends and family to be there for me, to help, uh, you know, guide me, I'd be lost. Well, I'd be lost without them for sure. And of course, my awesome coworkers and friends who put up with my unending beer talk and they, they actually make coming to work work worth the effort. Uh, without them, I don't think I can go to work. I mean, I, I literally go to work because I love the people I work with and I'm really thankful for that. And of course, I'm very thankful for all those who keep our country safe. Um, thank you for your service. And that goes to uh, armed services and all the the police agencies and fire and paramedics and medical, everyone out there that keeps this country safe. I, I really am thankful for you. All right, Chris, how about giving a little shout out to our sponsor? Absolutely. So I want to raise a glass to B Cups, the supplier of outdoor craft beer cups for partnering up with us. And I encourage our listeners to go visit their site at bcups.net. That's B-C-U-P-S dot net. Or you can check out everything that they've got going on at fermentedreality.com. Check out the world's first full line of style-specific plastic beer cups for people on the go. Whether you're hanging out on the beach, by the pool, or hiking in the wilderness, or even just enjoying some time boating, bee cups are great for any place that you can't use standard glassware. All right. Well, hey, you can find the beers and the links to all the articles we mentioned on the show on the show notes. The show notes are found on openforumradio.com. And if you would like to follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And Chris, how can our listeners follow you? So you can find me on Chris underscore McKenzie 82 on Twitter or on untapped and Instagram at MCK1345. Or of course, you can always find me on facebook.com forward slash tap the craft. All right. It is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading and listening. And we ask you to please tell a friend and, of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a show every two weeks. So don't, don't be disappointed if we don't see one every week. It's every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers.